Where we kick ass. Two. One. What's up, Sequoia? Welcome to our KA19 podcast. Today I'm here with Dr. Hayek, CVUSD's Deputy Superintendent of Business Services. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Hayek. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Dr. Hayek, you and your team take care of the financial side of CVSD. This helps her ensure that our students get the best education possible. And would you please explain what this means? So everything that happens in the district touches through my departments one way or another. Um, I oversee 11 departments, and everything that happens throughout the district has some financial aspect to it. So the challenge of, of running all these departments and, and making sure that you know, students have all the opportunities that they have for, for learning, the tools that you need, to, mm-hmm. for the equipment that, that we use here on a day-to-day basis, everything goes through the financial side of the house because obviously we have to buy it. We have mm-hmm. to maintain it, we have to repair it. So you know, there's a whole host of things that happen on the financial side. In the bigger picture, putting the budget together is probably our, our biggest challenge because there's so many variables and moving parts that go into where our money comes from and which determines how we spend our money. Mm-hmm. So just for our audience, these departments include child nutrition, child care, maintenance and operations, technology, and more. With all these departments, your job, can I'm assuming, can get a l- little hectic and stressful. Can you tell us a little bit about how you financially manage these departments? I think it all comes down to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, having good people are are critical to, to the success of a school district. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm fortunate to have directors that are, that are exceptional and, mm-hmm. and they run their departments exceptionally well. So, you know, I'm going to say it all comes down to the people. I have a great support team. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they oversee. So the way it works is I'm the deputy superintendent and then all the directors of these individual departments mm-hmm. then report up to me. So we meet regularly and we talk and we discuss and we have conversations about, you know, what's happening in the individual departments. And then, you know, we'll collaborate on, on, ish, on things that, that come up. So I think the, the most significant and important piece for, for our success as a school district is the people that, that are here that run, a depart- run these departments. Mm-hmm. So those people help you b- budget and everything like that? Yeah, we work together on it. You know, mm-hmm. so the budget is on, you know, we, we have our overall dollar amount that, that we work with. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we have conversations of what our priorities are, what our uh-huh. needs are. And then we break those budgets down to by departments. And, you know, we work on it collaboratively together with mm-hmm. the school sites as well, too, because you know, it's not just my departments. These departments touch every one of our schools. I mean, if you look around this room, everything everything in this room has some sort of impact and pass through um, business services departments mm-hmm. at some point or another. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, you have many jobs. And so, what would you say is your favorite part? Um, you know, we're even though we're we're the business side of of education, and mm-hmm. we're sometimes and a lot of times the invisible side i think the the most important thing and and the best part of my job is knowing that you know we don't produce a product we actually produce the future you know mm-hmm. the students are the future of of our country and of our, of our world and just being a part of that i think is gives a great sense of satisfaction mm-hmm. because you know the, we're, we're, what we're turning out is is what's going to happen in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years. And there's some joy and satisfaction in you know, reading about our, our kids, all of you, of what you're doing, not only now, today, but tomorrow, next year, five years, 10 years. And you know, it gives us a great sense of pride that we are a part of, part of 
you know, helping you succeed in, in your educational mm-hmm. uh, life and also your life beyond here. So switching topics for a moment. I heard you re- have written a book called Outclass, How to Ace the Lessons of Life and Graduate with Honors. Would you recommend this book for, who would you recommend this book for, and where would you get it, and how long did it take, and where did you get the inf- inspiration for this? So literally everything about this book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, can I share a story with you? Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wasn't born in America, so I was born in, in Lebanon. So mm-hmm. I remember as six years old, as a, as a child, um, at that time in Lebanon, there was a war going on. So I'd be, you know, I'd be in my room, and i hear, you know, bombs and explosions going off. So I just, it, w- it, was, it was terrifying as a child because I didn't know any better and I thought that that's how the entire world existed. You know, this is, there's no internet, very little television at the time, especially there. So, you know, I was just always fearful in life of, uh, at that time of when's the next one going to hit and then is, is that over for me? So, you know, what it, what it really taught me was, um, you know, I was fortunate to have, you know, our parents were able to, to escape the country and we came here to America. And then I was put in a school with, you know, not knowing any English. So here I am. And back then, the, the supports in public education were very different than they are today. So mm-hmm. I was just sitting in the class and the teacher was talking and other kids were talking. I had no idea what anybody was saying. So, you know, I was fortunate to have great, great teachers that spent the time with me that, that helped get me through and, and educate me and acclimate me to, to um, the, the culture of America, you know, learning English, math, everything else. So I, I owe a big debt of gratitude to those teachers. So because of the way that, that I grew up as a, as a child and coming here as, a, as an immigrant, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time alone. It was very difficult to, to make friends at, at a young age when you don't speak the same language as everybody else. So I spent a lot of time observing other people, listening and learning and watching. And I also spent a lot of time really getting to know myself. So what I realized over the years um, was that, you know, I, I feel there are, there are two critical pieces and, and, I, and I, that's what I wanted to come out in the book is, you know, we all have internal struggles, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that one of the, the hardest things to figure out in life is who we are. Mm-hmm. Not what we do in life and what our job or career is, but who we are. And I think it's always been, it's a struggle for a lot of people. And you'll see it as a theme in a lot of movies, whether it's Star Wars or Frozen, the main character or some of the supporting characters always have some internal struggle outside of what's going on in, in that. And I think we all share those similar, similar feelings you know, throughout life because you know, as we figure out who we are. The, the second piece is about choices. So you know, I've always been a believer because nothing came easy for me and I had to work for everything. And there were times where I would sit back and I would feel sorry for myself, but then I, you know, I would realize that I have to make my life. Mm-hmm. So I realized that life is a result of the choices that we make on a day-to-day basis. You know, whether you choose a, a Dr. Pepper or Mountain Dew, or whether you choose to go to college, or you choose to you know, enter a career, you, you choose to do something you know, in your life that you feel passionate about, could be music, could be art, could be anything. I felt like you, me as an individual, has to stand up and make the choice to, to live the life that I want, to do the things that, that I want. And nothing is going to be given to me, nothing is going to happen for me unless I make it happen. So because of the way that, that I grew up and spending a lot of time, I, I used to write a lot. Mm-hmm. So I started writing when I was about 12 years old. And I just kept writing and writing and writing. I had journals, I had notes, I used to write words to music and songs that I liked, and I just 
had this big pile of stuff that I'd been writing for, for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And then about, um, I think in 2013 or 14, I took, when we were moving from New Jersey to California, I took this whole box of, of stuff and I said, you know, I have to do something with all this. So mm -hmm. I spent about a year and a half putting all this together and, and trying to come up with some, something that makes sense that I could share with, you know, I have three kids, I could share with my kids so they, they know, you know, a lot about me and I wanted them to um, share in those, those principles that I believed in about choice and finding yourself and mm -hmm. such. So I took everything I had and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and put it all together and the end result was, was the book. That's pretty nice. So how long did it take you to write the whole book? 25 years <laughs> but in reality putting everything together took me about a year and a half and you know as you know when you have and you'll 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 find that when you have a writing assignment or something that you're doing every time you look at it you can make a change right mm -hmm. so the more you look at it the more you change but there has to come a time where you're like you know what this is this is what I have and you know I've, I've gone through it every iteration and and I've, I've fact-checked it and it's mm -hmm. it's it's um, gra it's proper in proper grammar, and so I, I went through all that about a year and a half, and I said, "Here it is. I'm done. This is the finished product." Mm -hmm. And I didn't use all the material that I had. I think I have enough to write probably three or four more books. Mm -hmm. I can personally relate to the story. So, like when I was six years old, I didn't know much English. I just know what does that mean. That's all I knew. I came to America and. Um, I didn't have many friends, so I couldn't really speak, so I just had to ask my teacher, like, constantly, what does that mean? And then she would put it in simpler terms. And I can also relate to the thing you said, um, life is about choices. Many people have told me that, especially my um, martial, artist te martial arts teacher. Um, he constantly tells us life is about the choices you make. So if you try hard and if you do your best, then, uh, well, the outcome is going to be great. But if you just slack off right now, then it's going to become a habit and it's just going to lead to you being like, being lazy for the rest of your life. I can't speak. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. It, he's, yeah. a, he's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I go back. So I was also a police officer for, for about six and a half years back in New Jersey. And one of the things that they always said at the police academy was the way you train is the way that you react. So, you know, and the, the way that we learn and the, and the, the, the things that we put in our mind is the way that mm -hmm. we live our lives. So if we say that we can't do it, we're not going to do it. But if we believe in ourselves and we say, yes, you know, I can do it and I'm going to do it, mm -hmm. then you have a different outlook and a different attitude when you approach whatever it is that, that you're doing. And, and mm -hmm. I, true, I, I believe in the human spirit in, in that aspect. Mm -hmm. and, I, I, and that's how I've lived my life. So, Well, going back to your job. Um, so dealing with money, I, everybody knows, is very stressful. And well, except little people, ch like children, small children. Not children, but okay. What advice would you give to students spend for spending, investing, and you know, just saving money? You know, I think the earlier you start, the better. I mm -hmm. can't, I can't say that enough. Um, too many times, you know, we're you're 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 living your life now in middle school, then you go to high school, and then you know, whether you're in college, career, military, whatever it is, those are the things going on in your life. You're not thinking about when you're going to be sixty or sixty-five or seventy. But this goes back to choices. So the choices that you make when you're early on in life are the ones that will really mm -hmm. shape how you live your life in, in 10, 15, 20, 30 years. So my, my biggest piece of advice is, is besides making those smart choices, invest early. 
You know, set mm -hmm. aside money for your retirement. Think about your life, not only today, but think about your life in five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 mm -hmm. years. You have to think of that way and you have to plan ahead. And you know, investment is something that there's a trillion dollar industry around it, mm -hmm. but everybody wants a piece of your money to tell you how to invest your money. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, but self-education is the most important piece. Mm -hmm. And I think as students, you have to take the time to self-educate yourself on what investing means. What's the value of money? Mm -hmm. How to handle money? How to save money? How to use money? So, you know, I think those pieces are, are critical, and that's, that's the advice that I would give my own kids and I would give to, to all, all students. Mm -hmm. The earlier you start, the better off you'll be later on in life. Mm -hmm. So, like, this goes for students who don't yet know how to spend money, but parents usually do know how to invest, save. What advice would you give to, to them to continue with this? I would say ask for an allowance. Mm -hmm. You know, so to ask, ask your parents that, you know, you, you want whatever it is, $10 a week or $15 a week. I might be overpriced or underpriced. I don't know. Um, I give my kids $10. So uh, um, I think it's $20 a month, actually. Um, but I want them to learn how to use what the value of $20 is. So when I give my daughter $20 and she goes to Starbucks and she spends $5.50 on a, on a Frappuccino, she understands how much of, of that $20 is gone for that one, that one thing that she purchased. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, when I give, you know, my son money and he's saving for a guitar, he understands how much that guitar costs and then mm -hmm. how much it takes to actually save for that guitar. And, you know, I want my kids and, and I, you know, I think it's important for all kids to understand the value mm -hmm. of money, especially these days because we don't see money because we're paying on Apple Pay and credit cards and everything else. It's not a lot that, that we, we hold on to money. But mm -hmm. ask, ask your parents for an allowance. Ask for a bank account and look at your finance, how you spend your money. Just pay attention. Mm -hmm. Do a journal for you know for uh, a few months of you know whatever whether your parents buy it for you or you buy it for yourself with money that they've given you mm -hmm. write down what it is that you buy and then total it all up and you'd be surprised of how much money you spend on things that when you when you look at the total and you'd be like well i could have three hundred dollars if i didn't do this this or this and i could save it away or put it away so i think mm -hmm. it's important really to understand the value of of money and in order to do that you have to actually be cognizant and, and be mm -hmm. aware and it goes back to the choices again mm -hmm. you know what you choose to do with with your money mm -hmm. that seems that is very important because like um it, now i'm seeing that um sometimes i think allowances aren't necessary because like um you're just giving your child free money and it's not to spend but you just put it in a whole nother pres perspective like um it teaches you how to spend financially and you just learn these financial skills before yeah, yeah, it's true. Cause you know what? No matter what you do in life, mm -hmm. it's going to come back to to money in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, you have we have to make a living. You mm -hmm. know, and, and we, you know, we have to we have to live and we have to eat and we have to buy clothes and we have to do things. So you know, no matter what it is that you do, you could work at a gas station, you could work at a hospital, you could work at a bagel store, you could work anywhere. But it always always comes back. Every one of those businesses is you know comes back to money and. Mm -hmm. You know, even though in, in this school district, you know, our business is education and, you know, building the future of, of our country, but it still comes back to money mm -hmm. and what we could do with that money and making sure that we're spending the money wisely. So before we end off, like we do in every single podcast we've ever done, could we, we, need, we would like to allow the studio audience to come up and ask you questions. My pleasure.
Hi, my name is Dominic, and my question for you is, uh, is there any way that we can, uh, for this digital production class, is there a way that we can uh, somehow get some funding for um, a, a new studio or um, something bigger? So we could uh, put like, you know, uh, for, for recording audio or just for storing equipment away, is there any way? So the answer is yes. Ooh, okay. um, there, there are ways to do that. Um, you know, the, the way to do it is for um, all of you to, to put down, you know, what you do a, a wish list. So mm -hmm. here's Dream of, here's what we want, and this is, this is what we would like to have. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of bring that list down to what's realistic and say, all right, well, you know, maybe we could grow into this over three years. And this goes back to our, our conversation of financial planning. Mm -hmm. So let's say everything you want costs, let's say, $30,000. Mm -hmm. And say, you know, we are not able to do this in, in, in one year for $30,000. So instead of saying, here, we want $30,000, and, and the district says no, or the funds aren't available, then you say, we could do this over a course of five years. So, you know, how about we ask for $6,000 a year? And the first year, this is what we're going to do. The second year, this is what we're going to do. The third year, this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And you, you put a plan together, including the financial plan, to say, you know, this is where we are. This is what we can do. And every year, we can improve and, and get better and do it that way. So a lot of times what happens is, you know, individuals ask for money and it's just it's an all or nothing and it doesn't have to be an all or nothing yeah. if it's in a planned phase approach there are there are possibilities and and we can open up discussions and to say you know we can grow into this rather than just say well we don't have thirty thousand dollars this year to spend but we might have six or five or three mm -hmm. or whatever it is so yeah I, I think that's actually a lot better than putting it all in i think that's actually really smart because um if you just get a gradual like growth that would be a lot more it's a lot better than just putting 30000 in and just saying, okay, we have a studio. Sure. But yeah, it's a lot smarter. Thank yeah. you. Hi, my name is Dante, and I have a basketball coach who shares uh, roughly the same advice as you, and he says it's not about 10 minutes from now, but 10 years from now. How important and how much do you cherish this advice? I live by it. I think it's so it's so important. You know, we, so there are two pieces to that. Um we have to live in the moment, but we have to also think about the, the future. And I think the, the balance, that balance is, is a challenge for a lot of us because, you know, you can live your life just thinking about the future and then, you know, these years pass you by and then you realize all of a sudden, you know, what happened to the last five or ten years. So, you know, you, it's very important to live by that model and, and I, I live by it and I value it, but you have to balance it with appreciating where you are today what you're doing today and making sure that you're you're enjoying yourself and living your life today as much as you're 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 thinking about the next 10 years. And I'll go back to the the allowance money and the choices money. So let's say you get $10 a month or $20 a month. Take half of it and put it away. Take the other half and then spend it on today. And I think that that could that's that's likely, you know, maybe a good analogy of, you know what, I'm going to live my life today and 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 you know do the things I want to do, but I'm also making a choice to think about the next 10 years at the same time. So it doesn't necessarily always go with money. It goes with the decisions and the, the choices that we make. So you have to make the choice for what it is today and, and what you think is, is going to be in the next 10 years. Okay, thank you. Sure. Hi, my name is Sydney, and what costs the most money in the district? People. <laughs> <laughs> So 85% of the school district's budget is spent on, on people. 
So we're in a service service type of um, uh, I don't say business, but environment. So you know the the teaching staff, the 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 custodial staff, the maintenance staff, technology. You know everyone you know has to get paid because that's mm -hmm. that's their job. So the the highest portion of the school district budget is is salaries and what we pay for for people. The other fifteen percent comes to you know supplies and equipment and everything else and. So if you think of that on a larger scale of a $200 million budget, 15% of that $30 million is spent on everything, the, uh, everything else other than, than staffing and, and people. So, you know, 170 million of our entire budget is spent on people, human resources. Thank you. Hi, my name is Sean, and I was wondering, um, if you won the lottery, what would you do with it? <laughs> I used to think a lot about that when I was a kid. Um, I actually still do. But these days, I don't know. Well, see, I, I'm going to ask you a question back. Which lottery? Because a million dollars today and a hundred million dollars is very different. So I'll, I'll, you know, if winning a million dollars, what would I do with it? And winning a hundred million dollars, what I do is very, very different. So let's just take the middle ground and, and just say it's somewhere in between there. You know, I think the thing that you can never buy or buy back is time. So money doesn't necessarily will buy you happiness. It'll buy you things and items. But what it does is it gives you the ability to, to have time to do the things that you want to do. So I would just use that money to be able to live my life and, and, and for my kids and my family to be able to have the time to do the things that, that they want to do. So that's where I would, I would put, put my put my money or how I would use the money should I win the lottery. Thank you. Plus, I buy a lot of other things, too. <laughs> Hi, my name is Emily. So I had a question based off of Sean's last question. Um, if you did win the lottery, would you essentially quit your job? Um, you know, that's a tough question because I, in addition to, you know, the things that, you know, if we talk about money, the things that money can buy and things that money does for you, I also think that we need to have a, a mental balance in our lives, and I don't think um, having money and not working is a healthy is a healthy type of mental balance. So for me, it wouldn't work because I always have to be doing something. So whether I'm I'm doing this job or or something else, I would still have some type of of job or career or something to do, because I I I believe we need that we need that balance. You can't you can't just not do anything. At least I can't. It would drive me crazy. Okay, thank probably you. Probably my wife too. So, <laughs> so Dr. Hayek, would you like to add anything else to our podcast for today? I just want to thank thank you for inviting me. I want to thank you for the opportunity. I, I hope you you know you, you get something out of you know our our conversation. I hope the audience gets something out of our conversation. You know, I and. I think this is representative of what school community is, and I'm impressed about the setup that you have here and the, the things that you're doing, and I'm also impressed by the questions you put forth and the questions from the audience. So, you know, it's my pleasure, and welcome to invite me back anytime, and happy to make some time to come here. So, thank you. We want to thank you for joining us today. So, thank you, and you, audience, thank you for joining us today on our KA19 Sequoia's official podcast. Remember to join us next time.